Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. A big show ahead. Wonderful 3 882 if you'd like to join in. So much sport unfolding. We've seen the Big Bash get underway and the Brisbane Heat. Uh, six for 133. There's an over to go. They're taking on the Sydney Sixers. Exciting times. We're going to have a chat to one of our own tonight, Will Schofield. After 7 o'clock, Sophie Devine is going to join us, the skipper of the Perth Scorchers, as our girls spring into action on the weekend. We look forward that to that, Carl. Good to be with you tonight, mate. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking to Sophie. We've got a, a few others coming up on the program that'll be good to chat to. I think we're going to be speaking to Colin Young in a little bit. Uh, yes. He had a little bit to do with the trade period <laughs> just gone, didn't he? Well, I must say, when I spoke to Colin this morning, he was still tired. Well, I, he, I, I'm, he, mate, he has been so stressed. Well, I, I, well, as he should have been. I mean, there was players getting done with 30 seconds to go. Yeah. I, I can't wait to ask Colin about how this actually goes down because I did tune into um, Trade TV or whatever was running there, and uh, they they panned over to the Western Bulldogs uh, room. And who did I see in there? Colin Young. He was pacing up and down. He was by the couch. So it'll be great to chat to him about the insights because you and I, um, uh, we weren't traded during our career. We probably wouldn't... Um, got much if we were traded, but there's a fair bit at stake in, in trade period, and I think it'll be good to hear from Cole's point of view. Yeah, and uh, I just wonder uh, whether it's going to be part of the, the documentary, because I believe there's going to be a sequel, so uh, we will see what unfolds there. Sports update, thanks to Ko. Watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on Ko. Sport, Desi Hasler, the big news today. Uh, sacked as the manly coach. Looks like that uh, Anthony Seabold may be getting the job. Scotty Sattler's going to join us a little bit later on. Is it because he looks like him, or maybe he's because it, it seems like he's got a good relationship with his players. Is he the Luke Beveridge of the competition? Uh, he just reminds me of Luke Beveridge. What, a bit quirky? Well, he's a bit quirky. It looks like he, he's all about his players. He's got a great relationship with them. Not not afraid to kind of ruffle a few feathers both administration-wise and ends up um, getting the sack. Yeah, well, there's no doubt that he's got the love of uh, some of his players because, uh, you know, when you think about the Trebojevic brothers and you look at uh, now what they're considering and whether it's been included in their contracts or not, uh, this is what the rumour is, that there may be a clause in there, but hopefully Hopefully, Scotty Sattler can uh, indulge us a little bit further on that a little bit later on. One double three eight eighty two. If you'd like to join in, one. Uh, what's this? Anthony Seabold. Uh, very good with powerpoints. <laughs> that's an early SMS that's just come into the show. Uh, well, that's that's something that is so important these days, though. Powerpoints. Well, apparently, with a lot of the presentations that I'm told, that goes into a opportunity as an AFL coach involves a lot of PowerPoints and the presentation and as part of your coaching strategy and your philosophy and all of these elements that come into play, it's one of the reasons why I think Ross Lyon just says, no, nah, it can't be bothered. 
Well, I mean, it makes sense because, um, Carl, you've been out of the game a little while. I've certainly been out of the game for a while, but there, there is a lot that happens in the back end around game plans. And it's not just a coach standing up and saying, okay, to attack, we're going to kick it through the big sticks. We're going to get it going forward. Maybe it should be sometimes. You think maybe just simplify it for the boys, but uh, the players have to go through multiple keynote presentations through preseason. And I'm talking. Um, you might do a month block on attack, a month block on defense, a month block on stoppages. So to have all of that together, when you're going for a coaching job, you're going to be able to say, look, this is what I'm going to roll out to the boys during the week. And it is a big part. It, it really is a big part of modern day footy is educating players. And, and therefore you've got to sell that vision to whoever's employing you. The football. And I think like a lot of these other sports are pretty simple games and we get taught the basics and skill is a very important part. Skill is speed. If you execute skill well, then you will win more often than not. And turnover in most sports is the thing that costs you big time. I mean, you only have to look at the score on turnover in AFL, which is something that is always taken strongly into consideration. I mean, the the Craig McRae appointment, where he has just let his team play with freedom and hasn't cluttered their mind with all of this strategy has been remarkable. I mean, look where they came from and look where they finished and let's see where they can climb to and whether they can maintain what they've built is going to be the challenging part. The most enjoyable season I ever had at, at AFL level was 2015 and I played in the back line that year. Um, Adrian Hickmott was the coach and I promise you he said just go and play yeah. and, so, and and to to review games we'd come in and he'd go what happened? Tell me what happened and he, he would know of course. He was, he's a, a smart man Hick and uh, he used to be well educated on what happened in the game but he used to ask the players you, you tell me. You blokes are out there. He used to use the word blokes. You blokes tell me well, what happened? What did you do well? What did you do wrong? Um, how do we fix it? You just fix it. I, I'm not going to tell you how to fix it. You now, do it. Now tell me uh, and, and this is something that has always intrigued me because I wasn't on the inner sanctum but I was obviously talking about it here each night. Back in 2015, you had a whole heap of injuries and essentially you were forced to make changes and the changes just came in and performed beautifully. It was incredible. Yeah, well, if you can think back, uh, Jeremy McGovern was pretty much untried back in, in that time and he became the only other key backman to myself. So we would be wrapped in cotton wool every every week because there was no one else. Tommy Barras was a key defender in his first year at that stage. I think he played two games in 2015. Mm-hmm. Other than that, Elliot Yo was a key defender. I think Brad Shepard, though. Brad Shepard used to play tall. We had no one because yeah. Eric McKenzie, Mitch Brown went down with ACL at the start of the year. So yeah. that's what made it enjoyable was it was it was almost um it was okay, this is the cattle we got, this is how we're gonna go about it. And there's but, but all of a sudden that structure yeah. changed. And and really all all I saw was all I saw then was was run. And it and it just seemed like that the the team was playing with some freedom. I mean that's what it looked like from the outside. Yeah. And it's not freedom. It's it's really not freedom um Physically, it's it's the mental freedom that you're talking about. Yeah, Carl, is, exa- well, that's half the game. Well, yeah, no, exactly. that's ninety yeah. percent of the game. Hundred percent, right there. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why the best team very rarely wins. Now, Geelong probably had the best team, and they won this year. But every other year, the best team on paper doesn't get it done because it's a mental game, Carl. Yeah, well, you only have to look at Melbourne and and what they were able to achieve. I mean, that was one out of the box. I I didn't think that they could climb as high as they did, but they got the job done. Richmond have never had uh, the best on-paper team, but they continually win premierships. Um, You could go on and on. West Coast 2018, Western Bulldogs 2016. 
uh, the list goes on, Carl. If you went down to uh, the Wacker today and uh, watched the cricket, uh, then give us your thoughts. Uh, WA took on uh, India in that match, and you had the likes of uh, Philippi and uh, a really good partnership between Short and, and Hobson at the top of the order. Cam Bancroft was part of that game, but 52 in the end of Short to 64 to Hobson. He was the top scorer for the day, and in the end it was 8 for 168 off the 20 overs for the WA boys. And um, and then the Indians uh, came along and 8 for 132. So good job by the WA boys. Uh, they got over the top and a victory there as we head to Muzz out in Beckenham who joins us first tonight. G'day, Muzz. Evening, boys. How are you? Great show as usual. Uh, I've Thank got a you. question before I go into my point, boys. Um, mm-hmm. When did the real game of football physically die? AFL, Waffle, the whole lot. Then I'll get into my uh, issue. Well, well, no, it hasn't. The the real game hasn't died. I mean, what, why are you saying, Muzz, that it's died? Well, in reference to this PowerPoint crap, boys, because when this footy played on a like on a on a um, a laptop or an iPad or whatever, it's played mm. on the grass. I mean, like you said, Richmond and go not the best thing on paper, but, but they still keep performing and turning up and and evolving and whatever. But um, I think Craig McRae gives credit to the guys as a coach for what he's done with the Pies this year. Um, you just let them play with free abandon, let them play flying football and get the ball and do what they do naturally. And you can't teach skills on a laptop or an iPad or whatever. It's taught physically by a coach out training and coach assistants. That's how it's all done. So it's just PowerPoint crap and all this stuff just does people's heads in, I think. I just, I just don't get it, boys. I don't know what you feel about it. But, um, yeah, it's not one on paper or electronic balls like, you know. It's, it's one out there on the grass and doing your job. Yeah, I think you're right, Muzza. Look, um, there has to be a balance always. Uh, the, the technology that's available now, for especially for some of the goal, uh, behind the goal vision and the the ability the coaches have now to review games and be able to you know pull edits up and be able to show you as a player, is certainly a positive. Like you, you can't you can't talk about that in a negative term. To be able to get that immediate feedback, you know, some of this stuff you can see game day. They have an iPad on the bench for you. You can watch what just happened. That that sort of stuff is incredible. But I agree with Muzzer in terms of I think we overcomplicate things. Um footy footy is still just a people game. It's it's about connecting with your teammates. It's about understanding what your teammates are gonna do in certain situations. It's about um playing with them, training with them, working hard on the field. As Muzzer says, it, it is a it is a physical game and it's not won and lost in the coaches' room. There 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 is some um, things that coaches can do that help all of the things I just spoke about. But in the end, you've got to be able to do it as players. And that's why I can be critical of players that sometimes, that's why I'm very positive with players most of the time is you got to be able to execute on field. Yeah, exactly. And a little bit of talent helps, doesn't it, uh, yes. Scully? A little bit of talent always helps. Uh, when at a clear commitment, on the other side, come back. Colin Young is going to join us. Hopefully he's relaxed after catching a flight back from uh, Victoria today. It's 17 after 6. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. Me, Carlington, Will Schofield with you tonight. Trade radio update. Thanks to Continental Tyres, engineered in Germany, proven in Australia, and a man who's probably having a nice relax in the bath tonight, I reckon, Will, about this time of night, uh, is Colin Young. Uh, he is a man that, uh, when I when I spoke to him earlier today, was uh, just getting over what was a flurry. Uh, Cole, g'day to you, mate. How are you? Evening, guys. Uh, not having the bath yet, mate. Just having a quiet uh, shardy. Yeah. Well, look. Um, for you, and I would have thought, just like the players who you represent, it must have been a really stressful time. Uh, it, it, the last probably five to ten minutes was quite stressful. 
um, we sort of put a plan in place like everyone does going into trade and we thought that we had it under control but um, there were just too many chefs in the kitchen at the end, Carl. There was like, you know, four clubs trying to do a trade and it was just getting too busy. So when it got to about 10 minutes, I think there was a bit of vision of me running around. I was actually running from, I think it was 200 metres. They they designed the corporate suite differently <laughs> this year trade and I was sweating it running 200 from, from Brisbane to Brisbane Bulldogs back to Fremantle. So it was, yeah, it was a bit bit of uh, a bit testing, I must admit, that last 10 minutes. So just when you're running between the camps, what at this point can you do? Um, the, the dialogue was getting mixed up, I think, between the clubs and what the Bulldogs or Brisbane and and Hawthorne with, you know, Jager and Meek and, and Mitchell. And it was just getting too busy. So I was just trying to clarify where we're at, we're at uh, especially with the Bulldogs wanting uh, for Dunkley what they wanted and then also reinforcing what they wanted and giving it off to Fremantle for lot. So it was just confirming and then and then just that things got a little bit grey. So I just wanted to clean it up. And once we cleaned up a few areas, with, you know, trade picks out the back and got those picks up and we got moving in that last 10 minutes. But, yeah, I was stressing, I can tell you. So, Cole, this isn't all for show, for for keeping people's attention. This is actually getting done in the last 10 minutes. I mean, the trade period goes for long enough. Why, why are we waiting for 10 minutes to go to get these things done? Well, mate, I would like to have got it done. I, I was of the opinion about 9.46 that morning that we could get it done <laughs> sooner rather than later, but you know, because I thought the trade was helping Frio get sharp and then Jager popped up and that just threw everything into chaos. So, you know, that wasn't for show. That was a serious, I won't say what I was going to say, but a serious crap fight. Uh, <laughs> it was seriously very intense in that hallway and you'll you'll no doubt see that down the track. So, so the Jago Amira um, to Fremantle, from my view, and I'm certainly not on in the inside, you certainly are, that looked like it came up quite late. I mean, that, that didn't seem like it was on the table for the entire trade period and, and something that no. was thrown in with Meek. Look, I, I, I only heard that uh, GWS might have raised it at Cornelio's wedding, um, saying, you know, how are you going, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I rang GWS the night before the last day, and um, Jason said that there was definitely interest, and he told me what they were thinking of doing. And I thought, oh, I'd get that, because I think Jager always wanted to play with Steve. And it wasn't until the next morning when I'd spoken to, to um, Dave from Frio that I got a sniff that Jager could be in the mix for those guys. And so, um, but I didn't think that, um, I thought the GWS might have the front run there. So just, yeah, we, no one was, that came very, very late. So, yeah. Cole, is, is any of this orchestrated by the AFL? And I want your honest opinion. Do they keep a few of these up their sleeve? Because I look, I know there's a lot of complicated work that has to go into checking the legalities and the future picks and and everything else that goes into it just to make sure it's within the AFL rules. But do they do they keep a couple up their sleeve? You reckon or not? Well, I actually thought the same as you, Carl. I actually thought there was, you know, having watched this for about 20 years, that <laughs> that some get told, can you keep it late and play it out? But I can assure you. This this one wasn't. Um, this was just a real crap fight from start to finish. So um, so yeah, no, it wasn't. And um, yeah, it was very testing along the journey. How are some of your players uh, feeling, Cole? You look after a few guys that um, made some moves this uh, off season. Rory Lobb, yeah. Blake Akers, Griffin Logue. How are they all feeling? Yeah, we're pretty happy. We we had five trades going in and we got five trades done. So we're pretty happy with it. And, 
Jeez, and I had a little bit of fun with the Crows. I think the day before the last day, we went barge in their offices and so you know, and started you know without an appointment. <laughs> What's going on? We want to get this done. And so it was a bit of fun as well. But you know, we got five from five, so we're pretty happy in the end. But it's more so the players, um, you know, getting where they want to go, and then also the club. Like I think we spoke about this a while ago, Carl, about making sure Fremantle got looked after. Yeah. Um, we, were, we were waiting for the hole in the in the in the trade period, which I did mention to you. And then, of course, the Jager, you know, actually was doing the trade for Sharp to get to, to Frio, not to, not to Jager. So, um, you know, we certainly, um, you know, certainly working our backsides off. It was, it was very successful in the end. And I, I was speaking to Rory afterwards. It was that's, that's probably, as you know, Will, that's, the, that's the, uh, the cream on the cake when the player gets the phone call that it's done. Uh, yeah. And you hear the relief over the phone because it's been 12 months in the making. Yeah, and and look, he was he was the one that I was feeling probably most uh, uh, sad about because uh, he was the one that had indicated that he wanted out pretty much last year at the same time, and yet all of these other guys had got their deals done, and then all of a sudden, given the the circumstances, because of other players on the move, uh, Rory Lobb had to stay. Now he had a contract, we know that, but all of a sudden uh, he was the man that had to stay. Yeah, well, so did Jager, and you know, there's quite a few players. So did Mitchell. There's a lot of players moved with contracts. It's just when sometimes you know it assists the clubs with their salary cap and their, stri- their strategic planning to go forward. So sometimes it suits the club to do it, and sometimes it doesn't. So you have to be, you know, have to bend with what's going on. Um, you know, I was always sort of, sort of confident we'd get Roy done. Um, and certainly talking to Dave on the morning of, though I thought we'd get it done. But of course, then Jager bumped up, and I thought, oh, this could be a curveball, and it was. So, um, but yeah, it's great for Rory and, and his partner and the family in Melbourne, and it's great for Fremantle. They uh, they did very well, and I, as I said, we mentioned on your show that I think that uh, we wanted to make sure that Fremantle came out of it really well, and they needed to, um, losing Rory and of course Chris and Logue as well. Um, but they picked up some really good players, so they put themselves in good stead for the future. Can, can you speak to that um, issue a little bit, Cole? I mean, the primary uh, role of player managers and agents, other than you know, the welfare of their players, is that contract time and contracts. Uh, there's been some speculations and some talk about you know, some of these contracts aren't worth the paper that they're written on. You know, players moving uh, in contracts, who's that on? Is that on the player? Is that on the club for doing the deal in the first place? Is it on managers wanting to move players around? Can you give me some context no. there? It's definitely not the managers. I'm sure that, you know, I saw, you know, Paul Connors and a few of the boys there and we're talking about it. We we would rather not be trading players, but at the end of the day, we work for the players and for any particular reason they, they need to move and it's a, it's a strong reason, then you have to do your job and get it done. So, it's, you know, sometimes it can be contracts and, and sometimes it can be, you know, not, as you know, not getting a game. Um, the players want to live in a different state because of their partners. It could be a very, a lot of reasons. Um, but at the end of the day, the clubs do have contracts and they can hold, like they did, you know, Frio did last year with, with Rory. Um, but you're going to find that I think over the next two or three years, that's what you've just seen happen yesterday with clubs, you know, moving players like Trelaw did a few years ago with Collingwood and Phillips and all of a sudden Collingwood looking pretty good. Hawthorne dumped, you know, uh, not dumped, but they, they moved obviously Mitchell and, and Jagie yesterday, so they might be on the same move. So you've got to move with it. And I was saying before, um, you know, Paul Medhurst many years ago, you know, we signed Paul to a, a three, two, three-year deal with um, Frio um, at the end of the season. And then in three weeks later, I got a call from the club saying they wanted to trade him. So it, it works. 
you know, in all areas. Like sometimes it'll be the club, sometimes it'll be the player. So you just got to try and work with both parties. Well, it turned out to be a remarkable trade period, really, Cole, which is what you uh, speculated it was going to be, and it's probably only going yeah. to increase uh, from here. I mean, when you think about Luke Jackson, Isaac Rankin and Brody Grundy and Josh Dunkley and Tim Taranto and Jacob Hopper and Tanner Brune, who's a, an early draft pick, and then you go to Logue, Lobb, Akers, Tucker, Meek, uh, Carl Amon, McStay, Mitchell, as we've spoken about, Mitchell, Frampton, mate, unbelievable, pretty good team. No, well, it's, 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 I think you're right, and as I said, I think it's going to get busier and busier because of how tight the lists are and getting games and the way clubs manage their lists, like the, the, the repercussions from this trade period is probably going to be a really small draft. So, you know, normally you get, back in the day, 110 picks. And, and this year's draft could be 50, 50 picks. So all these good players out there, and, and you've seen today, Richmond, you know, delisted four or five players. There could be a good delisted 60, 70 players that should be still on a list. So but what the most exciting thing from my point of view and from probably you guys is that I think next season is going to be a more exciting season this year. I reckon it could be eight clubs win the flag. Mate, it's going to be so exciting. So that's one point of view I'd like to look at it. But, um, yeah, but I think next year, having spoke to a few of the managers, they're going to be just as busy, if not busier, next year with, you know, all the players they had out of contract next year with being free agents and, and you know, and where they are with their contracts and club changing their list. So, anyway. Cole, what about now, mate? Trade period done and dusted. Do you get a rest? Do you, do you get to just put the pen go down and, and the put bar- the phone down? Go and have that bath. <laughs> I've been out of Melbourne probably three or four times over the last four weeks. I've got to fly to Brisbane on Saturday to, to go to one of the players' weddings up at Brisbane, so I'm not looking forward to that flight. But I think um, once I get through the next few days, Andrew and I will, will dissect the trade um, and talk about the draft. And also we start planning for next year, uh, probably in the next three weeks. So it's it starts like November one, basically recontracting players and looking at trade starts basically in four weeks' time. Wow. Now, when are we going to see uh, the new documentary, the the yeah, you know the sequel to Show Me the Money? Well, last year probably wasn't really a great event, but um, luckily we got the five trades done this year. But I was a bit worried because there was actually been filming the AFL let the the, uh, the stand crew in and. It was myself and Andrew, obviously, and two other companies that were doing the show, and uh, the other two had their trades done quite early, so it was just basically myself with Rory the last hour. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, because you don't actually know that they're following you and and then running it out of the suite and see you running up and down the back there and then just uh, <laughs> what was going on with the discussion in the communal area as well with the clubs. Because there's a communal area um, that a lot of clubs will go to just to have a chit-chat with the players managers to see what's going on, you know, with Henry being done late, you know, obviously Dunphy was done late. Um, Mitchell, we had a feeling that Mitchell was going to get done to Collingwood um, and they kept that really quiet, but there was a bit of a, a thought that that would happen. There was a bit of talk about that that was going to happen. So, you know, a few of the clubs finished early and went early, but um, yeah, the show should be uh, quite interesting because that actually was the real deal. So, um, right. well, stop teasing us. When's it going to be on the, when are we going to see it on stand? When's it going to be on the telly? I actually don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. Don't, sorry, right. Very good. Okay. That's uh, yeah, well. Oh, that's something else I've now got to find out. So I've got to make some more phone calls. I have to ring the CEO of uh, Stan or something. Thank you, mate. Uh, thanks for your time no worries, tonight. Pleasure. Good you on you, Colin Young. Uh, there you go. So that's uh, as it is, as it unfolds. So the real deal, Colin. Uh, thanks to the Continental Tires engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. Search Continental Tires today for our trade radio update. Well, he is the best in the business. He's moved five players that all wanted to move, and he got his job done. That's what Colin Young does. So, as the question I was asking around players or the clubs or 
The, the player managers are there to represent well, the players. Well, Dougal helped him as well. Yeah, Come absolutely, on. but Cole's the best in the business, mate. Easy, easy. Dougal will say that too. It, well, okay, all right. Well, if you want to join in, one for, three for eight now. For now. Uh, how do you feel about listening to Colin and the conversation that we've just had? Uh, what do you think the future looks like? Because uh, for me, it looks like that uh, there is going to be more and more movement. Uh, it was amazing. The number of big-name players that got the ability to move clubs and with contracts. Will any of them make an immediate impact? Will any of them win your premiership, your team, next year? Well, all the names I went through. Junior Rioli was one I didn't mention. Uh, Josh Corbett I didn't mention. Uh, and there's so many more, but uh, Luke Jackson to Frio, Brody Grundy to Melbourne, Josh Dunkley to Brisbane, Taranto and Hopper to Richmond, Hannah Broon to Geelong. You've got Lowe going to North Melbourne along with Tucker. Meek's gone to the Hawks. Lobs to the Western Bulldogs. Akers to Carlton. Give us your thoughts. One double three eight eighty two. It is 26 minutes to 7. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Now, Scoey, uh, welcome back to Sports Day. One double three eight eighty two. If you would like to join in, and please do at any time. Sports update. Thanks to Ko. Don't risk missing all your team's matches of the T Twenty World Cup on Ko Sports. Uh, we will be having a chat out of the seven o'clock news to Ryan Campbell, who's coaching the Netherlands. Uh, it'd be nice to catch up with Cambo and uh, be finding out a bit about his future too, because I hear that uh, it might be his last hurrah. But we'll get that confirmed a little bit later on. Uh, we had the Sport Australia Hall of Fame inductor that were embargoed until around 3 o'clock our time this afternoon, Scoey. But yes. uh, I put in a couple of calls earlier today to try and get a couple of these uh, uh, very talented individuals on the radio. Because let's just quickly roll through the names. Okay. Uh, Sir George Bedbrook, OBE, Sports Administrator in the Paralympic Movement here in WA, uh, a general member. Catherine Cox, who spent a lot of time out west uh, for netball, an athletic member, as was Brad Fittler from Rugby League, Tanya Harding in softball, Cara Honeychurch in 10-pin bowling, Adrian Hurley in basketball, Chris Judd, a bloke who I think... You and him might have just passed briefly at West Coast. Well, Juddy was my first captain, so I was drafted into the footy club end of 2006, a premiership year for the club. And then, um, if I'm remembering correctly, Juddy uh, was pretty much riddled with groin injury in 2007, didn't play a lot of footy uh, through the year and was crippled by the end of it. Um, it definitely was that my first year. My first game, um, second game actually against North Melbourne, I ended up in the goal square. I was forward and Juddy, I don't know what I was doing forward, Carl. Juddy was there and Daniel Pratt, who then went on to be my defensive backline coach later in my career, yeah. but Pratty was playing and he was bashing, he was he was trying to bash me up, young 17-year-old down the goal square, skinny, very skinny, Carl, and Juddy was there and I just remember Juddy grabbing Pratty by the back of the jumper and in this grumbly voice said, you ever touch my young fella again, I'll kill you, mate. And that was Chris Chubb, my captain. And he left the end of the year to Carlson. <laughs> and uh, wasn't that a little bit of history that was created right there? Because, of course, Josh Kennedy was part of that deal, as was Chris Marston, a couple and, of your premiership teammates. And who was the third? Do you know who the third was? Oh, I didn't think there was three. There was, was there three? three. There was two picks. So Chris Marston was one of the picks, and there was a second pick, a first-round pick. Right. Oh, God, I'd have to go back to the history books to find Tony out. Tony Knott. Tony Knott. Tony Knott. Is that right? the third in that trade, yes. Wow. Good man, Tony Knott. He's yeah. been playing he's been a good waffle footballer for a long time, Noddy. Well, and obviously he didn't get to finish off the season, which didn't help Swans because he did his knee, his unfortunately. ACL, yeah. Uh, Juddy, though, one of the most uh, decorated and dynamic footballers of the modern era, uh, he was, he played, and I remember this forever, he played one game for East Perth, 
And then at the end of it, we all said he's never playing waffle again. He had 40 and kicked three. And he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) He never played waffle again. 279 games, 228 goals, uh, and an incredible player. A Norm Smith medalist, of course, uh, and a um, Brownlow medalist and a 2006 premiership player at West Coast and certainly played his part. So uh, Ernie Stripes, and hopefully we'll see him at the race day uh, that we're having on the weekend. We'll we'll be having a couple of quiet beers as a few of the premiership boys catch up and rub shoulders as we cross eras. 92. 94, 06 and 18. First yeah. time 18's been invited. Correct. Uh, we're bringing our A game as well, Carl. Looking forward to it. Ian in Byford. G'day, Ian. Yeah, how you going, boys? Um, Not bad. I just want to reiterate, what, what, is, a, what is a contract? <laughs> was now, was now, that reiterate? I've seen so many players have got um, so, so much pulling power. Like They sign big contracts and then, uh, you know, they get itchy feet because they want success and, um, whew, you know, Bugger, bugger loyalty, obviously, because that's just the way it is. But um, yeah, it's just and then there's other teams that have to pay them out still while they're getting around playing for other clubs. Yeah, I, I do agree with you in most, and I, I do think that if you sign a piece of paper and you say you're going to do something, that's pretty old school. But you know, go and do it. But as Colin Young, who would know probably better than you and I, Carl, and, and most people, that you know things change, circumstances change. Uh, do I like it? Not really, Ian. I, I think I'm probably in your ballpark there that I don't really like the fact that players can just walk out of contracts. So, you know, what's the point of having them? Are we, are we just, is this just lip service? You know, I sign a player to seven years and Jason Horn Francis is on a six year deal. Oh, congrats, mate. But he could be anywhere, but you know, he could be, he, he could get the reverse homesick next year, couldn't he? Been at Port Adelaide for one year and North Melbourne for one year. He could be on to his third club by year three, Carl. Yeah. Look, I think that though, the clubs, and this is not something just to come along recently. You know, you could go back to Tom Scully and Tom Boyd, who had a a a, a very long term contract when he returned to the Western Bulldogs, and yep. uh, they got their premiership. He, he didn't see out his contract, and there was a mutual agreement for them to part ways. So it's not the first time. And look, there's been other uh, players uh, that have signed a longer term deal and haven't for. Injury reasons, been able to, to see out that contract. I mean, you've had a couple of teammates that have succumbed, sadly, to injury. And, and so there's a whole host of reasons that come into play here. And I'm sort of not surprised. I mean, Trelaw is a great example of, of a player that leaves one club and goes to another and they're happy to carry uh, some of the salary. Collingwood had to keep on paying him because they needed room to move. Oh, above all, it shouldn't ever be on the players, this contract stuff. I will say that because in the end, the clubs do the deal. The Correct. players don't go to the club and say, this is how much money I want to be paid and paid or I'm leaving. Maybe there's some a little bit of that, but the club ends up having to do the deal. So, I mean, Collingwood, you would say... Is, it's a poor this management there, to be honest. You know, Adam Trelaw leaves. Um, Jaden Stevenson. Yeah, and Brody Grundy this year, mate. Yeah, uh, he's they've shipped him off. I want to. He's got three years to run his deal or whatever. That's that's bad list management. For and, and Jack Bowes. And and look, you and I spoke briefly about Gold Coast and how they'd fared, and I think we're both of the same view that they've fared pretty poorly here, given the players that they've lost. And yes, they've got a few picks, but basically they're going to go back to having to invest in youth and is that going to be enough to get them to where they need to get to? I mean, they're outside the 10 and 12, so they're right on the edge right now. Gold Coast should be looking at what Brisbane was able to do a few years back and and turn themselves into a destination club because I I spent some time on the Gold Coast in 2020 in the COVID hubs and it's 
It's a bloody good place to live, Carl. And you could be doing a lot worse than training and playing on the Gold Coast. And I think this is half the problem, see? Well, I don't think it is. I don't think they marketed it enough. I thought, I thought coming off the back of 2020, I thought half the AFL would be moving up to the Gold Coast to play for the Suns. Yeah. I, I just think because it's not a full Aussie rules environment, and this is what worries me about GWS with blokes like Taranto and Hopper, there's this, there's this love and attraction about being in a, in an AFL state for me. And from conversations I've had with players on, you know, their desire to move, that's been something that has been really prominent in the way that they've thought and getting into, you know, traditional football markets. That, that might be true. I do think there's something in recruiting guys from country areas into these teams and, and, you know, not pulling guys out of a metro city like Melbourne and putting them up into the GWS into Western Sydney. It's a big, big change up for these guys. But uh, speaking to some pretty close sources at GWS, they're, they're pretty happy with their draft hand and what they've been able to do. They thought they were overpaying Taranto and Hopper and uh, Tanner Bruin, from all, all reports, is a bit of a sook. So apparently um, they were pretty happy, GWS, to turn it into some draft picks. A bit of a sook, eh? That's uh, what I've heard, Carl. Tra- trade radio update thanks to CMC Markets. Trade your way with CMC Markets. Visit cmcmarkets.com.au. Uh, Jager O'Meara has actually revealed a little bit about uh, what a, a, a wedding and um, having a chat to a few guys that basically planted the seed that has been sown. Yeah, so we heard Colin Young to speak about it at Steve. Wedding. That's Steve is Stephen Cornelio and, and that started the ball rolling with his availability because of course GWS were involved in maybe getting him up there to play and then Frio jumped on board. Um, it sounds like he spoke to Sam Mitchell, his coach, and Sam Mitchell didn't beg him. That's, that's, uh, Jago Ramirez's, um, words was, uh, I was able to move freely because Sam Mitchell didn't say, please, please, please stay. Uh, clearly Hawthorne on, on, on a path and, They've been criticised by some. They've moved on five of their six leadership group from last year. That's incredible, isn't it? It is, but uh, if you're going to do it, you may as well do it properly. I mean, they're, they're committing to a rebuild. And um, and like we've spoken about with sides like Collingwood with McRae, and um, like we spoke about off the top, it's a mental game. If you can, If he can empower that young group at Hawthorne, I've got every confidence that Sam Mitchell can get results at that footy club. All right, there you go. Thoughts from Will Schofield, one double three eight eighty two two for twenty three in the cricket. Uh, the Sixers are at the crease, uh, and a little bit earlier it was eight for one hundred and forty one that the Heat posted on the scoreboard. If you'd like to join in, one double three eight eighty two, you can join us after the break. It's thirteen to seven. Sports day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. And make sure you get behind our Perth Wildcats uh, this particular season. You head to tickertech.com.au right now. Uh, NBL action tonight, the Adelaide 36ers against the Jack Jumpers. Uh, WA beat India today down there at the Wacker in the practice match. And good to see uh, a couple of the boys uh, getting some runs on the board. Um, fortunately, Aussie Diamonds were blown away last night by New Zealand in the Constellation Cup. Uh, they've still got a hangover from winning that gold medal at the Birmingham Commonwealth Games. Uh, penalties, uh, botched passes, shooting errors per, per costly there in Auckland. 56-48 they went down. Newcastle Jets uh, taking on our Perth Glory. That match gets underway on Saturday at around 2 o'clock Western Standard Time. And tomorrow night, uh, speaking of the Wildcats, they will be taking on Melbourne United at RAC Arena. We'll keep you right up to date here on Sports Day with everything that unfolds in the world of sport. Uh, The other two names that we uh, didn't get to after Chris Judd who have been inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame is Kari Webb and Mark Weber. Right, so golf and F1. Yeah. Mark, Mark Weber Mark Weber is the current manager of Oscar Piastri. 
the incumbent uh, driver rolling into Daniel Ricciardo's seat. So the formula great of F1 Australian uh, fame, Mark Webber, managing the up-and-coming Australian uh, F1 driver in Oscar Piastri, and Daniel Ricciardo stuck in the middle of them without a seat for next year. Well, uh, Mark Webber, 12 seasons, 215 starts. Uh, he often had to compete in underperforming cars. Now, you might say that about Daniel Ricciardo, to be perfectly honest, uh, particularly early in his career. Uh, he scored his maiden win, though, with victory at the German Grand Prix. That was in 2009. His first uh, to win a Formula One race by an Australian, which was uh, Alan Jones. That was 28 years apart. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the F1 clearly has struck to... A more popular fame with Drive to Survive rolling through our TV screens, but the F1's been an incredible, you know, fame-based sport for a long time, and Mark Webber was a good driver for a long period of that. And you talk about women's golf and the number of, say, young uh, golfers that have come out of this state more recently. We've got Madison Hinson-Tolchard, who's over there in America, now plying her trade in college, and she's uh, hit a 12-under the other day, which was uh, one of the best scores that she's had for the year. We see Hannah Green, and we've seen uh, Grace Kim, uh, Minji Lee, and there's just a, a few, and a, a couple of those notable West Australians, but 41 LPGA tour titles for Kari Webb, 13 Australian, 15 European and three Japanese events. Just an incredible player. Well, she was the OG uh, female golfer. Like I remember, I remember watching her play when I was a kid. And, and um, you speak about you know, up-and-coming women's sports and, and that, that development as, uh, aspect, that, that uh, um, thing for girls where they can watch someone on their screen and go, well, I can, I can be that. And, and she was, she was exactly that. Yeah. And, and she's still out there mixing it uh, with yeah. some of them now. Uh, she was the youngest person at the time inducted into World Golf uh, Hall of Fame. So that uh, just speaks volumes. And Adrian Hurley is a bloke that, of course, uh, you would know a lot about. I mean, his basketball, Dr. Adrian Hurley, I should say, uh, one of the most significant coaches in Australian basketball history. Uh, incredible. Uh, he, he became the first Boomer's coach to take the Australians through to the medal rounds of the Olympic Games. They finished fourth in 1988, and he led the Perth Wildcats to a 1995 championship as well. Well, that's uh, I'm going to have to go. You say Perth Wildcats, I'm going to have to go get and um, catch a game. I reckon, Carl. Yeah, I reckon you should. Wildcats, yes, let's make uh, sure that you do. Follow them. Ticketech.com.au right now. We'll clear a commitment, come back, and tell you what's coming up after the news next. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Now, big hour coming up your way after seven o'clock to night thanks to Australia's most wanted the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. Ryan Campbell is going to join us. Uh, he is in Melbourne I believe tonight so we'll have a yak to him. Uh, Netherlands he is coaching these days and they take on the UAE depending on the weather on Sunday. We'll have a chat to him about that. Sophie Devine, our Scorchers girls in action on the weekend. The first match getting underway on Sunday. Michael Pryor the AFLW coach for the West Coast Eagles will join us. Scotty Sattler to talk about Des Hasler after being fired from the Manly Sea Eagles today and we'll finish off and we'll try to tip you into a winner with uh, the team from Tab Touch with David Short we'll be joined by Dennis O'Brien in our Chase for Charity. So all of that uh, coming away straight after the news. Sports Day for Kia the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service. For expert car service, you can book into your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. And a man who is heading up the coaching team at the Netherlands is Ryan Campbell. And he joined us tonight, uh, Will, from a place that uh, you know pretty well. Well, sort of. He's just up the road. They're heading down to Geelong to play their first couple of games in this World Cup. But Ryan Campbell joins us, I believe, uh, up in Melbourne somewhere. G'day, Ryan. How are you, mate? 
Hey, hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to going to Geelong tomorrow, although I've got to say there's some serious rain at the moment in Melbourne, and uh, I think Geelong is at the forefront of coughing it. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that that first round's going to be okay. You've got the UAE on Sunday, Namibia on Tuesday, both in Geelong. I was going to ask, is it uh, are they looking like they're going to go ahead with the weather? Because it's, it's absolute torrential rain at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it hasn't been great. That, that's the honest truth. But um, no doubt that Cadinia Park will be covered up and, you know, hopefully the wickets will be okay and let's keep our fingers crossed because apart from, you know, the big the big teams who get to play all the time, the World Cup is obviously a massive deal for associate countries. And, you know, if, if suddenly you get washed out between Namibia, UAE and the Netherlands, it would be pretty disappointing. But, uh, yeah, let's just keep our fingers crossed. Uh, when I spoke to you this morning, Cambo, you had uh, just completed a training session. Uh, were you able to do that indoors or could you get it done outdoors? How did that go about? Yeah, mate, to be honest, it was indoors. Mm. Uh, last night we were supposed to play at the MCG against the West Indies, which, again, if you get washed out, normally that would be, be okay, but... The facts are, most of our kids obviously have never even stepped into the MCG and and to have the opportunity to play at a place like that would have been fantastic. But look, at the end of the day, the the weather hasn't gone our way and uh, we'll have to, you know, we've prepared well. It's just about now, hopefully the sky's clearing, a bit of sunshine and uh, we get to it. What about your Australian-born captain, Scott Edwards, has he stepped foot in the MCG? <laughs> hey, come on, mate, he's Dutch. He, he's, his mum and dad are Dutch. That, that's what we look at. Australian-born. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he's a good lad. He, he plays for Richmond here in Melbourne. But uh, like I say, he's, his Dutch passport comes from his parents. So, look, he, he's a wonderful player. As a wicketkeeper batsman, and let's talk just briefly for in the Big Bash, you know, the stars, the renegades, he's probably a guy that should be fitting into one of those teams. Um, but, mate, he, he's in a good place. I think he'll lead the team well. Um, you know, very exciting with the bat and obviously with the gloves is very solid. So hopefully he can have a really good World Cup. And, again, without trying to say associate countries were all about you know, promoting our players so they can then go to franchise leagues and stuff. But unfortunately, that's what it's all about now. And if Scott can get it right, I've no doubt that uh, a lot of Aussies will be seeing him in the Big Bash. Cambo, you've been ingrained in the Netherlands for a little while now, but I didn't realise it was uh, as popular and had uh, the rich history that it does. I mean, the the Royal Dutch Cricket Federation was formed in 1883, and uh, since at least the 19th century, and in the 1860s, it was considered a major sport in the country. So it's a lot more popular, I believe, than what a lot of people think. Yeah, 100%, Carl. Um, Look, Let's be honest here. Any anywhere the English go, the game of cricket has been pretty popular. So the Dutch have, have had a really rich history of cricket. Obviously, football and hockey are the major sports, but cricket has always been there, and it's it's working hard. We, you know, obviously the success of the team getting into the Super League. We've had TV 
live TV in the Netherlands for watching this Dutch team throughout the year where we've had games against the West Indies, England and Pakistan in the Super League. It's never happened before. So hopefully, um, you know, again, I'm leaving the Dutch after the World Cup, but hopefully I'm leaving it in a bit better place than what it was before I came. So you're leaving, Cambo. This is your last tour. Yeah. It's time to go. Every, every every now and again, you've got to say, look, enough's enough. But um, I, I've loved every moment of it. And maybe it's time for a new challenge. And like I say, the, the Dutch are in a pretty good place. Hopefully we can play well at the World Cup. We can proceed into the, the major round of 12 and maybe cause an upset or two. But, um, yeah, I, I think everyone will enjoy watching what we bring to the table. Do you know what's next? Ryan? No, I don't. That's a bit scary, but, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, mate, I, I honestly think that um, I've I've done pretty well with where I'm at, but um, I just need a new challenge. It, it's one of those things that after five and a half years of coaching in the Netherlands, my kids speak Dutch, they love it, they hate the, the fact that I've decided to call it quits and, and move somewhere else, but yeah, I'm ready for a new challenge and um, hopefully I get one of those. So when you say you're going to move somewhere else, does that mean you're going to move back to Australia or wherever the next job is? Exactly. Um, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to go. I've obviously, I'm not coming to Perth because, you know, that Adam Voges has done a wonderful job with the WA team and let's be honest what we see in the WA squad and again I'm looking from afar it's such a wonderful talented team and he's done such a great job Adam Voges so look I'd love to come home to Australia but wherever the next adventure or or challenge will be that's where we'll go. Uh, Now just uh, one last question from me because I'm interested Uh, so given that we haven't seen a lot of the Netherlands play mate uh, are there a couple of players that we should watch out for um, if you get the opportunity to strut your stuff on the on the weekend? Yeah absolutely Um, again I'm not a betting man because I'm not allowed to bet but a guy a, a little kid like Buster Lader who will bat number three for the Netherlands and yeah. also bowl. He bowls at about 140 kilometres an hour. Yeah. He's a wonderful rounder to watch. Um, you know, he's a guy that you probably should follow. Um, also, a kid called Vikram Singh who, you know, he he's obviously got Indian background but he's born and bred here in the Netherlands. He, he's a kid who will open the batting and do a really good job for us. So, I... I what I think that everyone will say after the, this World Cup, you'll enjoy what we bring to the table. We've got a lot of fast bowlers that hopefully, you know, bowl really well. But, uh, yeah, Buster Later is one kid that I would say that every cricket fan will enjoy watch, watching play. All right, mate. I've just got a nice little Google of him. He's looked like a clean shave. In fact, he is a kid, isn't he? He's, he hasn't got any whiskers at all. And he's uh, got no. his hair beautifully in place. Mate, he, he's a young boy that I've looked after since he was, I think he was 17 when I first came about. But he's basically from Dutch cricket royalty. His old man played for the Netherlands for a number of years, probably the leading run scorer and the leading wicket taker in, in domestic competitions and played for us for a long time. But this kid is something special. And I've no doubt you'll see him 
on the world stage. I know he's been, already been picked up in uh, the UAE franchise competition. I've no doubt that he'll end up in, in county cricket in England. Um, yeah, he's a very special talent. Good on you, mate. Thank you very much for sharing some time with us. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks, mate. Always great to catch up with you guys. Good on you, Ryan Campbell, the Netherlands cricket coach. Uh, Father Tim, uh, he played 29 one-day internationals for the Netherlands, so a very rich uh, history. Can you actually say uh, this young cricketer's full name for us, Will Schofield, here on the program tonight? As the later. Yeah. yeah, that's it. As yeah. the later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Bastian Francicus Willemus Delada. That's pretty good. It's a long name, right? That's pretty good at the temp by me when pronunciation is my absolute weak point. Mate, I don't think I've seen a name that long. Let's call him Baz. In sport, I don't <laughs> think I've seen a name that long. It's incredible. Uh, have a little bit of a Google if you like. B-A-S-D-E-L-E-E-D-E and just see what pops up with the full name and see whether you can work that one out. Uh, when to clear a break on the other side for Repco Authorised Service. Uh, you can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. We'll be back with Sophie Devine. She's a gun too. We'll have a chat to her next. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day for KO. You can watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports. That's, of course, for the blokes. We've already seen uh, the girls get it done. Uh, and that was, oh, what, the last uh, big international cricket tournament, in, fa- in fact, sporting tournament in this country, Will, before COVID just shut us down. It seems like a long time ago, Carl, but luckily enough, we are joined by Sophie Devine, the Perth Scorchers WBBL captain, if you don't mind. She joins us now. G'day, Sophie. How are you? No, I'm very good, thanks, guys. How are you? Good, thanks. Now, did you play a practice match today? Yeah, we did, actually. It was good. Yeah, on the wacker, it was, um, no, it was actually bloody good. Good to get a final hit out before the real comp starts. Who did you play against, or was it an internal match? Just an internal match. So there was a bit of, a bit of, um, a bit of biff, to be fair, you know? A bit of aggro, which was great, to sort of get a bit of competition going, but, uh, just nice to get one final blowout before we, yeah, start the, Start the comp against the Thunder. Uh, who can I? I'm, I'm I'm very interested about the beef. Who who is it against? Who's going? Is a couple of bowlers going head to head? Some, um, you know, uh, who's who's going at it? Oh, to be fair, I mean, there's no real beef. I've probably blown that no, up. A no, bit, no, 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 I know, I know, I know. It's not real, but uh, tell me, I, I'm, I'm a back, I'm a backman from from the footy, and, and I just I just love a bit of aggro. I love very a bit of white line, years, white so. line fever. I love it, Sophie. Oh. Same here. Chloe Paparo was absolutely shooting her mouth off. Yes. So, um, I mean, I'm glad that we got one over her today, which is nice. But uh, <laughs> I just think that's great. I think a bit of the competitive juices get going and, you know, gets people pumped up. Yeah, we spoke to Chloe last night and uh, she didn't let us in on too much. Now, Soph, who actually made some runs and took some wickets and showed their hand? Oh, look, it was actually pretty pretty even um, around both. Chloe actually scored some runs, which is a bit of a pain in the ass, to be fair, because, <laughs> you know, and she was walking around with a big head and couldn't fit into the change room with well, how big her head was. But, um, no, she batted, she batted really well, and then it was spread out the wickets between sort of most of the bowlers. Sort of everyone had a fair crack. Um, and I guess the great thing about sort of internal matches like that is you can sort of tweak who goes in and out. So, obviously, Beth Mooney... Um, had a good knock. Tilly Carmichael was great. She had a couple of digs out in the middle, which is great. I think that's the, the really important thing is we're sort of just fine-tuning a few things and to be able to 
get out onto the wacker and, and you know, have some really good competition out there is going to serve us well heading into this first weekend. Yeah, Sophie, as the leader uh, of this team, it must be good to keep a fair few of the troops together. You've got a pretty much unchanged lineup from the Premiership last year. Uh, does that make it easier in your job? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, we, we um, had certainly a really strong side last year, and to keep that core group together, I think, is, is really important. You want to have that, I guess, that just that continuing, continuing on what we built from last year. But but we certainly also know that the competition is going to get bigger and better this year, and we have to grow with that tournament. So we're really pleased with the lineup that we've been able to, I guess, like I say, keep that core group, but also bring in a few new faces as well, which I think is just really important to help keep things fresh. But I think certainly there we've got great depth with the bat and the ball and. That's going to hopefully, you know, prove us, you know, really good come to some tough moments during this tournament because we know that there's going to be some. Heather Graham goes out and uh, she certainly had played a great hand uh, as an all-rounder in your team. Of the new faces, uh, who should we keep an eye on? Oh, look, I think Heather was a, was a great player for us and we certainly said to see her go. But I think the fact that we've been able to bring in, I think, both Maddie Dark, Holly Sterling, they've both played WBBL before, which I think is a really important part, I think, um, Having that experience, they know what it's about. They know where this competition's at and, and what's required. So both of them, although they're not, I guess, all-rounders in that sense, they still bring some real good skill sets for us. Obviously, Maddie being the backup keeper to Moons and, and obviously a really handy batter as well. And Holly, I think we've seen her experience and, and with the ball, what she can do, I think, you know, it still blows my mind a little bit that she's only 26 and she's been around for what feels about 20 years. So So she's going to be really valuable to this team in terms of, just that calm head and, and someone who's played in, in a whole heap of different situations and scenarios before. So having that, that experience, I think, is really valuable for this group. Yeah, I think she played international cricket when she was like 17, 18. And as you say, it does feel like she's been around for a, a long time because she has. Um, look, of your of your bowlers, is there this sort of, and, and you're, you're pretty good, but you know, it might not be something that you think about, but is there any of the girls that are sort of, you know, from a, from a speed aspect that get to the point where, you know, this is, this is something that you haven't experienced before in the caper at the moment that you, you're going to take on in this competition? Oh, look, I think it's really exciting with our group. I think we've seen Neil Peshaw has certainly had some great success the last couple of years for us. I think last year she'd, you know, she'd say she wasn't at her, very best, but I think she's really starting to, to hum around now a little bit. I think when she gets going, that, that she can certainly hurry up a few batters. And Piper Cleary as well has been fantastic. She's obviously spent um, most of the winter over in the UK playing a bit of cricket over there, which I think, again, it's an awesome experience for her to be able to, to come back here and, and bring those experiences and what she's learnt to this group. And I think, you know, our spinners are going to play a massive part. I think they did last year, and I think they'll certainly do that again this year. So, you know, again, I mentioned it before, but we've just got good good depth in our side with the ball in particular in terms of, you know, when you've got Marizane Cat there as well leading your attack, um, I think you're, you're in a pretty good position. What about your coach, Shelley Nitschke? She's uh, just been appointed the new Australian coach. She's coaching the Scorchers, though, through this tournament. Um, are you expecting to see her up at national level? Um, you're competing for New Zealand and, and Shelley uh, leading the Australians? Oh, yeah, look, I think it's a, it's a fantastic appointment. I think um, we certainly know the class she had as a player and, and she's certainly making a name for herself as a coach. So it's certainly no surprise for me to see her take over that, that national role and, and something I'm, I'm sure she'll thrive in. And, and, you know, really fortunate that she's obviously still looking after us scorchers for another year at least, which is which is cool. But, um, you know, I think just as players, as coaches, as well as, 
she continues to grow and learn and, and I guess add a few more strings to her bow. So the fact now that she's, you know, had another year as assistant Australian coach and moves into that head coach role, I think that is great for the Scorchers and, and certainly I'll be picking her brains. Obviously she'll um trying to be dished the dirt and keep a few secrets stashed away, I'm sure. We must Kiwis come up against you Aussies again, but I just think it's great. I think it's awesome to see her now take on that role. Now, you're one of the veterans of uh, world cricket uh, and you've been at the top of your game for a long time. Uh, how happy are you that this short form has come along? Because let's face it, you're going to be playing 20 overs. Uh, you're going to be doing it against Sydney Thunder at Weber Oval on Sunday and then, I think it's Sunday, and then you're going to back it up the next day against the Hobart Hurricanes at the very same venue. Yeah, oh, look, I think it's pretty... It's pretty cool actually being able to reflect back. I like how you called me a veteran and not one of the old girls. I think that's been thrown around a little yeah, bit. Experience, but, um, experience. I experience, I like that. I'll remember that. But look, I think it's just great. I remember back to the first or second seasons of the WBBL when we were playing two games in a day. Um, so, so certainly going back to, I guess now, like you mentioned, playing games back to back, it's, I guess it's what you train for. It's what you prepare for all those horrible winter months when you spent, you know, absolutely busting your gut out to, you know, improve your, your fitness times and things like that. It's so you can back it up and, and play T20 cricket at, at the highest form um, day after day. So certainly for us, it's a, it's a really exciting challenge. And, and for me, I guess, it's, as you say, and an experienced player, it's about how can I front up and consistently play at the standard I really want. So fantastic for us. I think this tournament has always been, you know, a real highlight for me and, and my I guess my calendar um, I've absolutely loved being involved so again it is it's an awesome challenge and there's no easy games I think that's the, the great thing about this comp is you can't slack off because as soon as you do someone will absolutely do you one so um, it certainly you know it keeps you on your toes throughout the, the full comp Safe, so, thanks very much for your time and good luck for the weekend Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Good on you. Sophie Devine, uh, the Perth Scorchers skipper there, having a yak to us here on Sports Day. And KO, don't risk missing all your team's matches of the T20 World Cup. You can get it right on KO Sports. It's a very economical way to see a lot of sport, in fact. So make sure that uh, you get hold of that today. Uh, we'll be joined by the West Coast Eagles' Michael Pryor next. He's the coach of their AFLW team. We'll have a chat about that after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company and nice to have Michael Pryor from the West Coast Eagles. Here's the AFLW coach and he joins us here on Sports Day. Welcome, Mickey. How are you going, mate? Going well, Carl. How are you? Yeah, going really well. The season uh, is going past uh, like wildfire, really. Only three rounds to go. But just reflecting back to round seven, took on the Tigers uh, at Mineral Resources Park, went down by 19 points. Pretty competitive game. Yeah, I think um, looking back at the game now, we, we basically gave them a six-point head start. They we, Before we touched the ball, we gave away a 50-metre penalty and put them right on the goal line. So that wasn't the ideal start. And um, After half-time, we matched them and the scores were level. So, um, yeah, the margin at half-time being 19 points was the final margin. Um, I think they were sitting fourth or, or, or around about on the table. So I uh, really took it up to a quality side, which was impressive from us. Michael, talk to us about Charlie Thomas. She's been named as the third straight Rising Star nomination. I mean, you are, you are breeding some youth down there. Yeah, that's the, the good thing. Well, I think we're on the right path with our girls. We had Sarah Decay a few weeks ago, then Ella Roberts, and now Charlie. So three in a row, Rising Star um, tells us we've got some good young talent coming through and 
Courtney Rowley could easily get a nomination as well. So, um, you know, we think we're on the right path. But Charlie's um, played all year down back, really settled her down there. Whereas last year we played her on a wing and, and back a little bit. So, um, yeah, she's been outstanding for us this year and she just continues to grow and worthy of her nomination. Are you seeing some of these younger girls um, really start to develop uh, under some tutelage at the club? I know results you know, might not necessarily have gone the club's way over this year and the years prior, but you've got a young list, and, and are they starting to develop? Yeah, I think they are. I think even, um, you know, Courtney Rowley, I just mentioned, she's, um, I think she played five games last year and she's played every game this year and she just continues to improve. And I think um, with our list and where we're at, um, we've fielded the youngest side in the AFLW history um, so far. So that's how young we are. Every game we've played so far this year, we've been younger than our opponent. And I think there's only two occasions we've had more games experienced than our opposition. So... Um, we know where we're at. We, we're going to put the hard work in over the next few years. But some of those girls, you know, they've got the Rising Star nomination have really come along this year. So um, all goes well for us in the future. With the last three rounds, what, what are you um, trying to get out of the rest of the season, given that, you know, finals is obviously not on the horizon? No, it's not. And I think um, for us, it's we, we want to keep improving, we want to keep getting better. And that sounds really cliche, but for me, being involved in the program, um, last year and then doing a little bit with it the year before. The last three games of the, our season, we've really dropped off. So um, we're aiming to finish really well. And we come up against some really good sides. I think Geelong are fifth. Then we got Bulldogs, who are just outside the eight. And then we play Melbourne, who are going to be right at the pointy end of the season. So it's going to be a challenge for us. But um, as I said, that improvement piece, not dropping away, um, seeing if we have improved over the course of a year is really important to where we're at. That can happen with young teams. I mean, we've seen it with the Gold Coast Suns, to be perfectly honest, when they get off to a good start and they fall away late in the season. So it's not unexpected. But have you seen the growth that you're looking for? Because there has been a lot of change. And, you know, this is something now that uh, I know that given your experience in it, that you'd have a really strong opinion about. Yeah, I was only thinking about that today, Carl. Like, the club had the courage to turn the list over by half. I mean, 15 new girls coming in to a team is huge. Um, so we think we're on the right path and all our um, markers that we can measure with stats and that tell us we're, we're moving forward. So to be able to do that with such a young group, um, I think in the next one to two years, you know, if we keep improving, we'll be really competitive. We'll get a lot more wins on the board than what we have. And, and I think even this year, we could have had one or two more wins up our sleeve that didn't go our way. So, yeah, I'm happy with where the group's at. I know it's a challenge for some of our older girls who've been around for a while and they want results straight away. But um, you know, they're also really um, helping these young girls develop as well. Uh, I mentioned Charlie Thomas and we spoke about the other girls that have won Rising Star nominations, Sarah uh, Lackey and um, Ella Roberts. I, I watched her game, I watched quite a few of her games this year. She, she is a star. She, she's already a star. I know she's a rising star, but she's an absolute gun, isn't she? She's been uh, outstanding for us. I mean, and I, I keep saying about her, she's just turning 18. She's still at, I actually had her last day at school yesterday, so <laughs> that's how young she is. But she's come into the competition and hasn't looked out of place and she's only going to get better and she wants to be the very best player that she can be in our team but in the competition as well so um, she's got a good head on her shoulders she wants to learn um, but she's got a fair way to go as well but um, what she's delivered so far in her first year has been outstanding thank you very much mate uh it's been a pleasure having you on the program and uh, take care good luck on the weekend thanks carl thanks will
Michael Pryor on Sports Day. Thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage cars of the year. Now, Will, afl.com.au are reporting the Saints are set to part ways with Brett Ratton, having gone through a recent review of the club's football operations. It comes just months after he signed a two-year contract extension with the Saints. Uh, That was in July through to the end of 2024. Uh, He's been at the Saints for three full seasons since taking over from Alan Richardson, steering the club to the finals in 2020, but missing the top eight in the following two years. So uh, we will keep you up to date here on Sports Day if any more unfolds on that front. But just repeating the news that afl.com.au are reporting tonight that the Saints are set to part ways with coach Brett Ratton, having gone through a recent review of the club's football operations. Stay with us. More of Sports Day coming away. Scotty Sattler next. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day and a man who, well, I reckon he would have stopped drinking by now, the Penrith Panthers, after they became champions. Uh, he's part of, part of the Sports Day family, but I reckon you'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you, Scotty? Very happy, guys. Very happy. Uh, great way to finish the season. They've been pretty dominant uh, the last three seasons in the regular season. And then to win back-to-back premierships, um, they're well ahead of the rest of the cop. So, and uh, and still have a lot of depth to um, to cover their their losses in the coming years. Now, the big news of the day, though, is Desi Hasler has been fired from the Manly Sea Eagles, and uh, Seabold's in. Is this is this right? Well, it hasn't been officially announced yet, but it seems to think, and unless something's happened in the last twenty minutes, I've just got off air myself. But uh, Desi Hasler, yeah, he's another year to go on his contract. And the club has just seen that uh, seen fit to think that well, they've got to move forward. They've got to start from scratch again. Um, the relationship between the upper management and Manly and and Des hasn't been strong um, for you know probably the last few months. And Manly itself is has really started to capitulate uh, on the field and it seems like off it as well. So uh, yeah, some fractured relationships there, and someone had before, and that's Desi. So whether it's the right thing or not. I'd, I don't think it is the right thing, but also there's there's reports that he had a, a clause in his contract that if they finish in the top six, he gets an extension. So maybe they're trying to trying to not have to be faced with that prospect next year if they do make the top six that he has to get an automatic extension for 2024. So yeah, so it's going to cost them about a million dollars off the bottom line to pay him out. So, I mean, Des's relationship with the politics of, of management is one thing, but what about his relationship with players? There's players asking for potential releases after he's been axed. Tommy Turbo being the number one after the 2021 Dalier medal. Their best player wants out. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got a strong relationship with a, a large core group of the players. Um, the players love him. And the Trebojevich brothers, Ben and Tom, they try to get a clause when they re-signed, that they would only be at the club if Des is there. If he's not there, well, they could get a release. Now, the Manly Seagulls didn't allow that clause to be implemented, um, which is probably the best move they made when it came to that, you know, those negotiations. So, but I led to believe that Tom Trebojevic and his manager Paul Sutton will meet with management tomorrow to obviously raise their concerns. He, he's not going anywhere because he's one of the best players. He's on a million dollars a year. And he's the difference between playing finals and not. But it doesn't stop him from going to a, an, another code, um, and that being obviously rugby. So 
wow. it's going to be. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that meeting tomorrow. How well do you know Mark Spud Carroll? Because he has labelled this decision as unbelievable, declaring that the coach bleeds maroon and white. Well, Spud Carroll is one of our SEN colleagues, calls for uh, SEN League uh, each week. And one thing about Spud, he's highly passionate, especially about Manly, but he's highly passionate about people who he feels have been wronged, and he feels as though that his very good mate who he won a premiership with in 1996, Desi Hasler, has been wronged. And I think there's a lot of people that support his view also. Uh, yeah, so he'd be uh, he'd be absolutely livid, uh, Mark Carroll, and he'd be looking for someone to take that anger out on as well because uh, he's a proud Manly man and he loves, he loves Des Hasler. So does that mean Des goes and coaches somewhere else next year, or is he lost to coaching as of this, um, you know, sacking effectively. Yeah, you know what? It's He won't coach next year unless he gets taken on as an assistant or some sort of coaching advisor to a young coach somewhere. But I, I, I would think there'd be a couple of coach uh, clubs, maybe Newcastle and maybe the Dragons, uh, the Gold Coast, that would be sitting back and watching this with interest to see what his next movements may be because uh, they're clubs that, you know, haven't been travelling the best. And, you know, as we know on the coaching roundabout, which is rugby league, AFL, rugby union, whatever code in Australia, you don't last too long if, uh, if results aren't there. So he's a man that's, he's a, you know, he's a proven winner. He's won two comps and made grand finals and lots of, lots of finals year after year. So uh, I think there'd be a few clubs that'd be sitting back for 2024 looking to see whether he's, uh, his services are going to be needed. Scotty, thank you very, very much for your time tonight, mate. We appreciate it. Take care. Anytime, guys. Good on you, Scotty Sattler. There's part of our Sports Day family. Thanks to barbecues galore. Go to iCanWin.com.au to win a Ziggy by Ziggler and Brown barbecue this summer. That's uh, all you have to do. Uh, we need to clear a commitment. On the other side, we're going to come back, and Will and I are going to try and tip you into a winner or two in our Chase for Charity next. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year. Great to have your company here on Sports Day and lovely to have this man on your radio. Thanks to Tab Touch. That time to catch up with Tab Touch is David Short. Shorty, welcome, mate. Thanks very much, Carl. Will, great to be with you guys. Yes, g'day, Shorty. Now talk to us about the Wildcats. That season's underway in the NBL. It is indeed. They've had a hot start to the season as well, the Wildcats. It reflects in the price for Friday night's game up against Melbourne United. Uh, $1.28 the Wildcats, three sixty-five Melbourne United. Line betting sits at eight. And uh, currently, better back to the two options is clearly the Wildcats to cover that line and win well. What about the Rugby League World Cup? I reckon that's snuck under the radar a bit. It has indeed. Yes, absolutely bang on the mark there. I think uh, a lot of punters uh, have had this sort of sneak under their garden uh, with so much other stuff going on at the moment. That is the case. Tab Touch will be up with a stack of markets on all of uh, the World Cup Rugby League action. Head to tabtouch.com.au to see all of those markets. T20 World Cup. Now, I know this is happening. This is in Perth. It is indeed. Uh, We've got some really exciting games to look forward to. The Aussies head in as the favourites, but they have lost... Their last couple of games up against England, uh, $3.60 at the head of the market. The Aussies, England there on the second line at $4. India, four seventy-five. 
South Africa, eight fifty. All other teams, ten dollars and upwards. Well, there'll be plenty of marquees around the country this weekend when we turn our attention to the racing shorty because the competition begins between Victoria and New South Wales, and we're getting a lot closer to the pinnacles over here in Western Australia. And uh, the lists of fields that uh, of potential contenders, unbelievable shorty. But let's start at Caulfield, Group One Caulfield Cup, and a couple of Group Two events as well. Yeah, great day of racing there at Caulfield. It looks like uh, they'll be operating on a pretty heavily rain-affected surface. In the Caulfield Cup, Smoke and Roman's our $4.60 favourite, aiming up at a winning hat-trick. Uh, it's been firm at that quote. Benno on the second line, 9 and firm. Knight's order 13 into 12. Nonconformist 9 to 12. Allegron 11 to 12. The West Aussie in play, Inspirational Girl, has been 13 out to $16. Uh, more great racing throughout the remainder of the program as well. In the Group 2, McCaff Sprint, Dragonstone, $3.40. Really well thought of in from $4. Generation there as a $4.40 chance. And in the Group 2, Tristark Stakes, Chain of Lightning at $5, the favourite in an open market in front of Palaisa Pan and also Pride of Jenny between that 6 and $7.50 mark. The West Aussie kiss on all four cheeks, an $8 chance. There. All right, as we head up the coast to Randwick and the big Everest, uh, Willie Pike's going to join us on the program tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. The Kosciuszko and the Silver Eagle. Indeed, yes, and uh, isn't it great uh, to see William there ready to absolutely shine on the big stage there on Saturday in the Everest. Nature Strip, uh, of course, such a boom galloper, one of the best we've seen in a significant period of time. $1.90, he got as big as two thirty. The punters have stepped back in now into $2.05, lost the running on the second line at seven fifty. Eduardo's there as an $11 chance as is Jack and Omar's Crusader at $12. Uh, also uh, on the undercard, the Kosciuszko, and it's me, $4.60 heads up betting there in front of far too easy at $5, front page at five fifty. And the Silver Eagle, another big money race on the day. Mr Mozart, our $3.90 favourite in this race, opened up at three seventy, so it's been a touch easy. Waterford's been the one that the punters want to be with here early. Seven fifty now into five fifty, and Espiona's been six fifty into six dollars. And locally, mate, uh, we have launched out at Ascot and importantly the group three Eurythmic Stakes is on this weekend. The listed Crawford Stakes, how are the market's looking? In the listed Crawford Stakes, Miss Contiki, our three dollar ninety favourite, opened at that quote, got out to four twenty, now back into the three ninety. Will Chino four twenty and firm. Stage man six to six dollars fifty. There has been some money at longer odds for number fourteen, pans down twenty-one into sixteen dollars. And the main race of the day, the group three Eurythmic Stakes. Our punters are very happy to team up with the top couple here. Comfort me, four forty into three dollars eighty. God has chosen four eighty into four dollars twenty. Resort man is there as a four eighty chance. And Cup Night six fifty out to eight dollars. A ripper nine race card out there at Ascot on Saturday. Brilliant shorty. Thank you very much for your time, mate. We'll have a chat to you next week. Pleasure, gents. All the best. David Short there. And, uh, Will, you and I are going to feature, along with uh, a number of other premiership players, I believe, uh, out at Ascot on on Saturday. Is that right? We should have got Shorty to give some odds about who's getting drunk under the table first. I mean, responsibly, of course, Carl. Correct, yes. But uh, there's going to be a big... Re- about around 38... 
first, people. First time the 2018 um, group has got an invite. So yeah. I mean, I've just I've just heard some murmurings that there's a few coming for the top up. That's all I'll say. Well, that's right. Uh, but just make sure you wear your nappies, all right? <laughs> because uh, you are the babies of uh, of this little event. Thank uh, you'll, you, Carl. En- you'll enjoy it, mate. I can tell you that. You, uh, now, uh, when you want to have a bet, choose Tab Touch. Better your bet. Download the Tab Touch app today. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help on one eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight. As we get into our chase for charity, brought to you by Greyhounds WA. We are joined by Dennis O'Brien. Welcome, Dan. Nice to chat. How are you, mate? Yeah, pretty well. Good evening, Scoey. Good evening, Carl. G'day, Dennis. Uh, good to be with you, mate. Now, what are we talking about here? We're going to have a look at the Cannington Group 2 All-Stars Sprint Heats this Saturday, first up. Yeah, I mentioned last week we had the final of the Mandra Cup, a Group 3 race down at Mandra, and the first three place-getters were Vice Grip, who won the race, this year's Perth Cup winner, beat Amplified, and Bones McCoy, and Amplified had won eight of eight at Mandra. So those three dogs probably are going the best with Bones McCoy running third, probably going about the best in WA at the moment. They're all in three heats of the Group 2 All-Stars up at Cannington this Saturday night. So, look, uh, there's a Greyhound by the name of Throttle, who's a WA Sprint Championship winner, and Electrified, who's won 12 or 14, so an up-and-comer. So some really good dogs going around in the Group 2. Uh, the final will be the following week, so uh, expect a, a ripper final that following Saturday. What about some best bets for some of the punters around? the state. Yeah, down Mandra Friday night, I've got a greyhound uh, West on Flair, comes up against the kennel mate West on Indigo. These two clashed last week in a similar sort of race, a novice race for young greyhounds. And last week, West on Indigo gave West on Flair a nice old bump and uh, got the bickies by about three quarters of a length. But Friday night, West on Flair's got box eight. Got a lot of early pace, so I think she can scoot across and find the lead and uh, and might be able to turn the table. So I'll go race three, number eight, West on Flair. What about Cannington on Saturday, mate? Yeah, a greyhound that's been pretty consistent. Another one's only had six starts in his career, but Borlotti Manelli. So race two, similar sort of race, a novice race for up-and-coming greyhounds. Uh, this one's got box one on Saturday night. He's got the fastest time in the race, so I think with the advantage of box one, he can sort of boot up on the inside and, and use his, his natural pace. So we'll go race two, number one, Borlotti Manelli on Saturday night. Now, little birdie tells me that you're going on a little bike ride and you're not going to be with us next week. Is that right? No, we're going to reinstate James Broadhurst back into the role next week. I'm heading off mountain biking for a week, so uh, um, I'll be nice and tired this time next week, I'd suggest. How far do you ride in your little mountain bikes? Uh, depends. Usually about 25Ks in the morning and 25Ks in the afternoon, depending on how, how lunch goes. Right. And, and how, how many days is this over, Dan? I'm going to do it about, well, last year we did it five. Last year we've done five days. We're extending it to seven. So we're, we're hoping that we can get through seven days. But, uh, we'll see how we go. All right. Sounds like a lot of fun, mate. Well, thank you very much uh, for uh, the work that you've done over the last few weeks uh, while James has been uh, working on other projects. And uh, we'll have a chat to you on your return, hopefully. Sounds good, and uh, hopefully the Chase for Charity goes all right this week. Good all luck. right, let's see how we go. Thanks, Dennis O'Brien there. Uh, now, thanks to Greyhounds WA, our Chase for Charity, we're raising as much money as we can for motor neurone disease. Uh, who are you putting your 50 bucks on? Well, I just, I've just learned uh, extremely good lessons along the way, just to listen to the experts. So I'm going to use a little bit of what Dennis had to say, and then I'm going to go out on a limb and just completely ignore the experts. So Mandra, Friday night, race three, eight West on Flair, which was a best bet. I'm including that in my... Box Quinella. Race three, one, two, eight, Mandra, Box Quinella. That's it. 
put all of uh, all the money $50, that I dollars yeah, box Bonella, one, two and eight. You just got to explain this to Heidi, you see, because uh, he's not a big punter, and so he's got to actually try to describe this to the person that has to put the bet on. Oh, he's done it. Dog done one, it. dog two, dog eight. Any of them can finish top two, and I've got 50 bucks on it. All right, there you go. Well, I'm going to make it a lot uh, simpler than that. I am going to go tomorrow night down there at Mandra, race seven, number three. It's called... Armour Tree Arrow will get on the bunny and get us the money. Don't worry about that. 25 each way just in case it uh, gets tripped up by something else. Has Carl ever won? Has he won? Have I ever won? Come on. I should be miles in front. They just haven't. They've, they've, they've stitched me up numerous times this year. They cheat. Every time I go away, they cheat. Uh, that's our chase for charity. Thanks to Greyhounds WA. Uh, Todd Johnston is next on your radio. He's got the night shift. Thanks very much for your company. And we'll see you again tomorrow from 6. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.